0: Welcome to the Christmas season, everybody. Glad you finally caught up with me. That's nice. That is nice of you. Hope you had a great Thanksgiving. And uh, we're kind of jumping into Christmas now, moving forward. With Christmas, Maybe you uh, jumped into all of the hysteria of Black Friday this past week, or maybe you're going to jump into all of the hysteria of Cyber Monday tomorrow. Uh, whatever your plans are, however you plan to transition from regular fall to Thanksgiving to Christmas, I hope it works out for you. Uh, I- I'm assuming we have all at least started decorating at this point. Uh, if not, don't tell me. I will think less of you. If you haven't, at least start, just kidding, just kidding. My perspective is start whenever you want, right? November 1st, December 1st, December 23rd, February 1st, like whatever you do, you do you, I'm fine with that, but uh, it's probably time, if nobody's told you, it's probably time to start doing uh, a little bit of decorating. With the arrival of the Christmas season, uh, we enter into the season of anticipation, If if you're not a kid, you remember being a kid, you remember anticipating all the things that had to do with Christmas, anticipating presents, anticipating Christmas morning, anticipating what Santa brought, like all of these wide-eyed anticipations. Uh, that you have when you are a kid. Now that you're an adult, you're anticipating things as well. You're anticipating events that you have planned throughout the season, uh, parties that you're going to go to, friends that you're going to see. Maybe you're anticipating... Uh, uh, finishing up your shopping list or anticipating starting your shopping list or anticipating family get-togethers. Maybe you're going to be traveling over the holidays, and so you're anticipating making that trip and seeing family. Or maybe you're hosting this year, so you're anticipating everybody coming over. And for, for many of you, that is a very exciting anticipation. You're looking forward to that. And for Others of you, you're anticipating an extra therapy session in January just to kind of take care. And for some of you, you're like, why wait till January? I'm going to go right now. We have all of these anticipations, all these things we get to look forward to. And in the, the church calendar, the church year, traditionally, this season is called Advent. Right? It's a season of anticipation. We are joining with... Uh, not just uh, Christians in the church throughout history, but with our Old Testament brothers and sisters, we're joining with them to have a sense of what it would have been like to anticipate the arrival or the advent, the coming of the Savior. And they, that's a little difficult for us to do, right? We, we have to play kind of some mind tricks in order to do that because we know he's already come. That's, that's why we have all of these decorations, right? We know he's already come, and if you are a follower of Jesus, if you've committed your life to Jesus, he's not only come into the world, he's come into your life. So he has arrived. That's the good news. But every year we we think about what it must have been like for hundreds and thousands of years to have waited, to have heard rumors, to have heard that something might happen, something could happen. They keep saying it will happen, but it hasn't happened yet. What would it have been like to to have waited, anticipated, wondering uh, to, to those people, God sent prophets that would would bring them messages. right And, and the prophets had a, a wide range of messages. They, they, they weren't the messages from the prophet. The, the prophet heard from God and then the prophet spoke whatever God told the prophet to speak. The prophet told the words of God, To the people. And and often that message included in some way the message of somebody's coming. Anticipate. And they were. They they were anticipating a time when they would understand what was happening in their life. They were anticipating a time when, when God would do something. They had been waiting and waiting, and God, you see all these things that are happening, and you see the oppression of your people, and God, when will you do something? They, they were anticipating a time when they would understand why things were happening, and for those questions, we are not that dissimilar, are we? I mean, we know Jesus has come, but we still ask the same questions that the people in the Old Testament asked. We ask God, where are you sometimes? We ask God, what is your plan? God, I don't understand. God, when are you going to show up? We do have those sort of yearnings in our life. God, when? And in this season in particular, we enter into a season of anticipation. One of those prophets uh, that went to God's people, one of the more famous ones, actually, if you rank them, in, in some way. One of the more famous prophets was a guy by the name of Isaiah. Isaiah brought a message, a really, really lengthy message, if you've ever read the book. He, he brought a message to the people. Now by the time Isaiah shows up on the scene, Israel has been divided into two kingdoms, if you're kind of familiar with their history, a, a northern kingdom and a southern kingdom. Another northern kingdom has been defeated by the Assyrians. They don't exist anymore. They would never exist again, really. And what remained was the tribe of Judah, the southern kingdom encompassing uh, Jerusalem. And so Isaiah's message was to Judah, this southern kingdom that had not yet been overtaken by the Assyrians. This is how his prophecy starts, right at the very beginning of Isaiah, the vision concerning Judah and Jerusalem that Isaiah, Isaiah, son of Amoz, saw during the reigns of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah. Notice, it is a single vision, the vision, not the visions, not the many visions, not the ten visions, the one vision. Vision. What Isaiah writes over 66 chapters is a unified message. It is a unified vision for the nation of Israel. Now, it didn't take place all at the same time, right? Verse 1 tells us it took place over the span of the reign of four different kings. Some 60 years went by. He addresses different topics and different themes but he says right at the right at the beginning don't don't try to chop this up into pieces this is one vision this is one message that God wants to give to his people and and as I said the themes are varied he deals quite a bit with God's judgment or God's displeasure Uh, God as he often was when he sent a prophet was displeased with uh, the fact that the people in the nation were beginning to worship false gods. They were, they were not giving attention to the poor and the marginalized. They were not receiving the foreigners. They were not caring for those who uh, were without. And God's emotion wells up within him against his own people during those times. Here's, here's just an example. This is from chapter 1. God says to his people, when you come to appear before me, who has asked this of you, this trampling of my courts? Stop bringing meaningless offerings. Your incense is detestable to me. New moon, Sabbaths, and convocations. I cannot bear your worthless assemblies. Your new moon feast and your appointed festivals, I hate with all my being. They have become a burden to me. I am weary of bearing them. When you spread out your hands in prayer, I hide my eyes from you. Even when you offer many prayers, I am not listening. Your hands are full of blood. Like Any question how God felt about his people. It's like, look, when you come to church, I have no interest in your songs. I have no interest in your prayers because your heart's not right. Like on the inside, things are messed up in you, and so don't even bother coming to worship me. I, I, I don't want to talk to you, and I don't want to hear from you. Right? This is part of this unified vision. Things are bad in the nation of Israel, and they're going to get more difficult. Darkness is a theme in the book of Isaiah. In chapters 2 and 3, he describes, look, there's a judgment that's going to come on us in chapter five, he says, "Just like our northern uh, kingdom was taken into exile, we're going to be taken into exile. In chapter six, the king dies. And it, the king who was a relatively good king, they, like there was hope that this was going to be the guy that was going to turn things around and he dies. Like there's suffering and brokenness and darkness that starts this book anything that they were trusting in at the time was going to be taken away and at the moment of king uzziah's death is actually when isaiah was called to be a prophet god says i need somebody to go and isaiah says here am i send me i will agree to do that but you're going to have a pretty tough message chapter 8 he uh He gives more details about the darkness that is coming. This is verse 21. Distressed and hungry, they will roam through the land. When they are famished, they will become enraged. And looking upward, will curse their king and their God. Then they will look toward the earth and see only distress and darkness and fearful gloom. And they will be thrust into utter darkness. And that's a pretty bleak vision. That's a rather painful vision. That's a rather uncomfortable vision vision but that's not all there is to this one vision. There was hope. There was light in the midst of darkness and it was just kind of a flicker at first. The darkness seemed overwhelming and there was just this one little spot of light that as Isaiah begins to tell the plans of the Lord that light began to grow. That hope began to grow like in chapter 4, verse 2. In that day, the branch of the Lord will be beautiful and glorious, and the fruit of the land will be the pride and glory of the survivors. In Israel, it's not all bleak, it's not all dark. There is hope. Chapter 7 Therefore, the Lord Himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and will call him Emmanuel. Yes, lots of problems. Yes, lots of questions. Lots of things we don't understand. Lots of things that we want to say to God, why is this happening? And Isaiah says, in the middle of all of that darkness, in the middle of all of that brokenness, life was going to come. Hope was going to show up. Into the brokenness would come new life chapter 9 after he t- talked about this darkness and difficulty and brokenness he writes the people walking in darkness have seen a great light on those living in the land of deep darkness a light has dawned it's one vision and there is darkness that is a part of this vision but darkness is not the only part of this vision brokenness is part of this vision but it's not the only part of this vision a sense of hopelessness is part of this vision but it's not all of this vision because within the darkness and brokenness light has dawned the people walking in darkness have seen a great light here's something that the scope of the book of isaiah teaches us i think we don't have to wait for the hurting to end before the hope can begin we don't have to wait for the hurting to end Well, for the hope can begin. This is one vision. This is the both and of our lives. This is the all-inclusive of our lives. Isaiah is honest to say this world is filled with brokenness and darkness. There is struggle. There are things we don't understand. There is brokenness. And at the same time, hope has come. And at the same time... Light shines forth, and at the same time, restoration and redemption is already in process in the midst of darkness. We look at the world around us, and I think if if you have eyes to see, if you're honest, we see reasons to feel hopelessness. We see brokenness and darkness. We see injustice. We see difficulty and struggle. We look at the world around us sometimes and we grieve, right? We have reasons to despair. The message of Isaiah is that even in that world, hope has come. Light is shining. Good will win. Maybe you look at your own life right now and you see pain and sorrow, and grief. Maybe the impending Christmas is not something you're anticipating with excitement. Maybe it's something you're anticipating with dread. Isaiah knows that. God knows that. And so layered within, a message of darkness is a message of hope, a message of light, Our journey in this life is not either or. It's not either or. It's that we will suffer sometimes, and we will hurt sometimes. And even in that, there is hope. There is struggle, and there is the awareness of victory. There is brokenness and the belief that all things can be restored. There is disappointment and the conviction that God will make everything we go through worth it one day. This is life. Thousands of years ago when Isaiah was here, and right now today, this is life. There is brokenness and hope. There is darkness and light, and that light was born in Bethlehem at Christmas. Isaiah describes it this way. For to us, a child is born. To us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. No end, he says. Sometimes we look at our life and we feel that what has no end is our suffering. We sometimes think that our pain has no end or our brokenness has no end. Isaiah says what really has no end is the sovereign reign of God and the peace that he's going to provide. And you may not see that yet and you may not feel that yet. But Isaiah says you can believe that in the darkness you can believe that what lasts forever is the reign of God and the peace of God. He continues. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Here's something else Isaiah teaches us. The hope that echoes the loudest comes from the darkest places. The hope that echoes the loudest the hope that catches our attention, it always comes from the darkest places. It comes from the most broken places. See, the truth is, if everything is perfect in your world, I am not that impressed that you're hopeful, quite honestly. If everything this Christmas is going exactly the way you want it, I'm not that impressed that you find it easy to be hopeful. Of course you do. Hope is always easy when everything's going well. Hope speaks the loudest when it comes out of darkness, when it comes out of brokenness, when it comes out of difficulties and struggles. Isaiah's vision says it's going to get dark. It's going to hurt. We will be broken as a people, but in that darkness, not after it, in it. While you're experiencing it, light has come. Hope has dawned. You can trust that God is at work. This is one message. There will be darkness. There is light. There will be struggle. There is hope. Isaiah doesn't ignore the pain. He doesn't diminish the pain. But he doesn't leave us in the pain either. He directs us to a source of hope and joy and peace. He even gives this hope names. We read them earlier. And he this light that's going to come, the Savior that's going to come. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor. Wonderful is a wonderful word, isn't it? Like we use it a lot, I think. I tend to use it a lot because it's so flexible. Like it can fit anywhere. You ask someone how they're doing, they can say wonderful, right? How was your Thanksgiving holidays? It was wonderful. Did you like the movie? Oh, it was wonderful. Did you like the music? This was so wonderful, wonderful. Wonderful is this very flexible word, right? That you, can, you could put just about anywhere and it works. You could use it as a response, right? When somebody says, I had a great weekend, you could say, wonderful. Right? It's easy to use. We sometimes use the word ironically as well, right? And when we say, wonderful. We probably mean the exact opposite of wonderful, but it still works. Wonderful is this great word that has kind of lost its meaning. (laughs) It means everything from outstanding to, well, I didn't hate it, it was fine, to you've got to be kidding me. It means all of those things. And so it sort of means nothing. It's kind of a nebulous word, this wonderful word. The way Isaiah used the word, though, was not nebulous. It was not meaningless. Here's the dictionary definition. Wonderful means inspiring, delightful, uh, inspiring delight, pleasure, or admiration, extremely good, marvelous. Love those words. They're wonderful words, right? Isaiah uses wonderful very specifically. And not at all in the way that we use it. This word, translated wonderful in our English translations, really means full of wonder or uh, full of amazement or, maybe better, incomprehensible. This light that was coming, this hope that was coming. Isaiah says, the first word he uses to describe this life, is this light, is you, it, it's so amazing you're never going to be able to fully understand it. it, it, it the, the one who is coming is so incredible. I'm going to give you some words to describe him, but I will never be able to describe him because he is incomprehensible. His being the the works that he will do, the things that he will say. You're going to try to understand him. You will never fully understand. You will understand some parts about him. You will learn some things about him. You should learn some things about him. But Isaiah says right up front, you're never going to understand how incredible this Messiah is, how incredible this one who will come is. His wonders will be limitless, infinite, infinite amazing, incomprehensible. Judges chapter 13, an angel of the Lord appears to a man named Manoah and tells him, you're going to have a son. That son is Samson, if you know the Samson story. So angel of the Lord is telling Manoah that he's going to have a son. The son's going to be Samson. and, And then Manoah asks something of this angel of the Lord. Here's how the conversation goes. Then Manoah inquired of the angel of the Lord, What is your name so that we may honor you when your word comes true? He replied, the angel replied, why do you ask my name? It is beyond understanding. This phrase translated beyond understanding is the same root word that Isaiah uses for wonderful. Matter of fact, in my Bible, there's a little footnote in the judge's passage that says, or wonderful. Or or you could use the word wonderful. It is beyond comprehension. Why are you asking? You'll never fully understand. You're never fully going to know. That's what Isaiah is saying. The one who is coming is so good. He's so righteous. He's so holy. He loves us so deeply. His plans for us are so good. You are never going to be able to fully understand, which... If you are living in darkness, that's the kind of Savior you need, isn't it? If you're living in deep darkness and brokenness, you need a Savior that's bigger than you can understand because you don't know how to get yourself out of that darkness. You don't know how to get yourself out of that brokenness. You need someone who is bigger than you and greater than you and beyond your comprehension who can sweep you up and begin to move you from darkness to light, from brokenness to healing. That's that's the Jesus that was to come beyond our understanding. He's not only wonderful, Isaiah says he's a wonderful counselor. And, and in the biblical use of this word, counselor means someone who's able to make wise plans. It was often used to describe... Uh, the acts of a king. The king sat in a seat that no one else sat in. He knew things that no one else knew. He saw things that no one else saw. He had a perspective that nobody else saw because he, he was the king. Therefore, because he had a unique perspective, he could make plans to guide his nation. This is what the coming Messiah would be to us. He sits in a seat higher than us. He knows more than us. He is the wonderful counselor that can begin to lead us out of darkness into light. He is the wonderful counselor that can begin to lead us from where we are to where he wants us to be. Because he knows where we are. He knows where he wants to take us. He knows the circumstances of our life. And he's filled with the wisdom to take us where we should go. Paul writes in Colossians 2, My goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ. So now Paul's going to tell us about Christ, the Messiah, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. All the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. He knows what your life needs he knows what my life needs he knows where you are you have not been forgotten he's not misplaced you he sees he understands brokenness and darkness and he knows the path to light at christmas god wasn't just giving us a baby in a manger he was giving us a wonderful counselor something beyond our comprehension, but someone who could lead us to better places. That was the hope that Isaiah promised. And hope is powerful, right? Hope hope is powerful. If you've ever begun to lose hope, you know that hope is really powerful. You know how much we need hope. And you know how desperate it is when you begin to feel like you don't have any. In a sense, we could say that hope is a weapon against the darkness. It's one of the ways we fight when life is difficult. When we are in the midst of pain and struggle, hope is one of the ways we fight back against the darkness. We could so easily get overwhelmed by the amount of bad news we experience in our world. The endless amounts of sorrow and brokenness. And I'm not suggesting we ignore those, right? We may be called to step into those with hope and do something about the injustice that we see, the brokenness that we see in the world. But in spite of the darkness and the brokenness, our ability to battle those is by putting our hope in Christ. I don't know what your hope is in this Christmas. I don't know what you're clinging to. I don't don't know what you're wanting, hoping for, but I can tell you that all earthly kings and kingdoms are going to pass one day. Uh, Anything on this earth that you would cling to for for your hope, for your stability, for your joy, is ultimately going to let you down. There is only one worthy of our hope. And and the, the good news is we can hope in him even when we feel we're still in the darkness. Again, that is the time that it takes courage and it takes strength. And we may have to wrestle with some of that hope. But it is possible, according to Isaiah, to hope in the darkness, to look for light In the brokenness, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light, and his name is Jesus. His name is Jesus, the hope of the world. If you have never put your your hope in Jesus, if you never put your faith in Jesus, Christmas is the perfect time to do that. This is the time to say that I trust fully, completely in Christ recognizing the sin and darkness that I created in my own life, I need the light of the world. I need to be forgiven of sin by the Jesus who was not only born, but he lived and he died and he rose again for my sins. I want to talk to one other group just as we close. I want to talk to those who are struggling to hope this Christmas. For whatever reason, whatever is in your current life, whatever is in your background, whatever is causing darkness and pain in your life, and, and your pain may be more than any pain I've experienced. It may be more than any pain anyone else's that you know has experienced. But I have news for you. I have news for you not because I've experienced your exact pain, because I haven't. I haven't experienced your exact darkness I haven't experienced your exact brokenness. But I know this message is true. That whatever the darkness and whatever the brokenness, a wonderful counselor came for you to bring hope and to bring light. You are not alone this season or any season. He will direct your steps through whatever you're in the middle of. Because he is the hope of the world. He is the light of the world. He is the wonderful counselor that you and I can depend upon. God, we thank you that out of the midst of darkness and brokenness, your prophet Isaiah spoke a message of light and hope. Out of an environment of struggle and pain, Isaiah reminds us that darkness doesn't get to win. In Christ, light wins. Hope wins. We have victory. That is most difficult to say when life is at its hardest. It's very easy to say when life is going fine. But when life hands us struggles and brokenness, help us remember the people walking in darkness, that's us, have seen a great light. We know of this Savior. We know of this wonderful counselor who has come for us at Christmas. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.